welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone in the Art Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 14, which is titled, Who's Appy Now? The episode aired on February 6, 1997. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago today? Well... Final Fantasy VII, widely considered to be the best game in the series and one of the best games of all time, releases in Japan for the PlayStation. The RPG would not reach American shores until September 7th. O.J. Simpson is found liable for the deaths of Ron Goldman and Nicole Simpson and is ordered to pay over $33 million in damages. Uh, of note, I forgot to put this in there. This this was a civil trial. This was not... He was obviously acquitted in his in the criminal trial. That's why but... it's liable, not guilty. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And I think t- I think to date he has not repaid. Certainly has not repaid the whole sum, but I don't even think has repaid very much. He wrote a book in like 2006 ish, mm-hmm. um, and part of the deal was that the proceeds of him selling that book got repossessed by the Goldman estate. Uh, because he hadn't paid any of the money even by 2006. So 10 years later, he still hadn't repaid any of it. Well, I'm glad that he didn't at least profiteer off the publicity from it much. Um, And then one of the biggest mistakes in cinema history, the Star Wars special editions begin to release to theaters with episode four, A New Hope, absolutely crushing the competition at the box office. It was uh, 40 million. A New Hope made $46 million this week. The next movie, the number two movie, was Jerry Maguire that made six million. Damn! Nerds Ooh. are gonna spend their I was money. Always. I was there. I saw him. Yeah, I, I was I there. With, I was there with my. Yeah, my mom took me. I don't think I did. I think the first Star Wars movie I experienced in cinema was the prequels. <laughs> I wa- I saw the other ones on VHS. It was just the first I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Oof. Still. Oof. And Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton is still the number one song. Have we drifted into boys to men territory with this yet? I think we're getting there. Uh, we're not right. quite to that level of domination. We're yet. like Mariah Carey level. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, on an emotional level. Like, are, oh, we, no. are, are we sick of this to the point where we were sick of... I've boys run out men. of puns. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to call that on the Fair boys enough. to men scale, how fast you run out of puns. But Fair enough. I got not, but I'm not to the point of hating it yet. I'm not to the point of going, oh, God, is it going to be next week? Is it going to be yeah. next week? Yeah. Spoiler alert. It's Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. <laughs> Don't spoil it. Okay. This is, my, this is my joy each week. Don't spoil it. Here, here's what else was on that night. At 8 p.m., Friends had the one with Phoebe's ex-partner. At 8.30, the single guy checked in with Macho Men. At 9 p.m., Seinfeld had the Van Buren. And at 9.30, uh, the Naked Truth checks in with the sister. This was it specifically ex-partner? Yeah, it was. I oh, I thought it was just going to say like X, like Phoebe's X or something like that. But no, it specifically said X partner. So. Cool. A little progression from the otherwise kind of uh, not 2020 kosher friends. Uh, but uh, as far as viewers for this week's episode, we're down just a couple of hundred thousand from last week. I think last week we had 33.6. This week we have 33.3 million viewers tuning in. Uh, This week's episode is directed by Felix Enriquez Alcala, doing his fourth out of 12 episodes of the series. Uh, Previous ones that we have talked about of his include Fire in the Belly, uh, Do One, Teach One, Kill One, and The Gift. Uh, This week's episode is written by Neil Baer, doing his ninth out of 18 episodes. Uh, Ones from this season of his that we've done include Ask Me No Questions, I'll Tell You No Lies, and Ghosts. And our previously on the is brought to us by Ms. Jeannie Boulay herself. And uh, we open... 
with a, with a little with a little uh little horny here a little horny on main <laughs> yeah, just a little horny on main uh mark is in the shower and his new lady friend uh the woman he met in the bar last week heather morgan jumps in to join and so does oh i forget the dog's nick. name nick yes i wanted to say stinky but that's another dog later <laughs> in the series um and mark hears a message going off on his machine and it's another woman <gasps> on the phone her name's polly she's trying to make and she and uh mark make dinner plans for eight o'clock but he and heather had basketball tickets he forgot and then and he tries to blow her off by saying that they that they have a staff meeting and mark is really bad at his timing yeah let's let's see how well we can keep the threads of all of his goddamn <laughs> lies going this episode yeah because i was i could not type them out fast enough like it's already kind of kind of scummy the way like just even approaching this but like Mark's not particularly good at it. No. So, which will come to hilarious consequences he's, he's later try- this episode. He's trying to play at a dog level field. Yeah. No, no, no. Stay in your lane, my dude. One one person at a time is your speed. And then we have Hicks and Carter chatting over a patient. Carter's giving her the rundown, and we find out that Benton has not given Hicks Carter's paperwork yet. Until then, Carter is grounded and cannot perform surgeries. So Carter's got to go chase down Benton. And then we cut outside. We see Doug and Malik walking in, talking basketball. Doug is limping with a cane as he comes into the ER uh, right next to Carrie, which she points out. Doug, that's not funny. Uh, it's a funny visual, though. Like it's very- They're chef's kiss. Yeah, it's a very funny visual. Uh, but we find out that he sprained his ankle playing hoops with Malik, which actually I uh, discovered as I was reading um, that Clooney really did sprain his ankle playing basketball the night before this episode started filming, and they actually just wrote it into this episode as an excuse. Uh, oh. So that this whole Doug has a cane thing was just written out of the fact that Clooney really did uh, sprain his ankle. He didn't, so. he didn't sprain it saving Gotham City. No, I don't think. Yeah, it said specifically From, it was it was playing basketball. It wasn't a a Batman and Robin thing. Was but. was his was his Batman movie with uh, Mister Freeze and Poison Ivy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. He see just Bane just broke his ankle. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The worst version of Bane I've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> broke his ankle. <laughs> Luchador Bane. Jesus Christ. Clearly, I need to rewatch these because I barely oh, remember. Oh, boy. Okay, so, like, in the new year, we are recommitting to doing some more movie commentaries for you folks. And, oh, boy, is Batman and Robin on the list. <laughs> he talked about it this week in an interview. Uh, he was For the GQ? That, yeah, they were talking about uh, the Flash movie. So, I guess multiverse stuff is on the table. And um, he was like, I did not get a call about that. He was like, they, they were not interested <laughs> in my bat nipples. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh. Michael, Michael Keaton. Is Michael Keaton's going to be in that movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen George pop up though. That yeah, been just fun. a little. Is, I wonder if it would be super nice to see Val Kilmer. That underrated, would be interesting. underrated Batman, in my opinion. Yeah, he was all right. So we have complete one eighty from this conversation. Connie runs up with a choking kid. We find out the kid's been choking for about 10 minutes, and I want to note, as they bring this child into the trauma room, earliest that this has happened, whose films are those? Who is responsible for turning these rooms? At this point, this is just laziness on the staff's (laughs) part. This room has been emptied. This should not be on the board. Um, Doug and Carrie get working on the kid right away, and he is cyanotic, choking on a jacks ball, which is just like a rubber ball he used to play jacks. Yeah, Yeah. the rubber ball that you slam down and you pick up a jacks. But... For yeah. those of us who don't know what a jacks ball is, it's a rubber ball. Yeah. Um, 
it's too far in to reach with forceps. And so first they shock him for an irregular heart rhythm. Convenient that those child-sized paddles were already hooked up to the machine. But of course. And then Carrie wants to trach the kid, and Doug instead uses a small needle. He stabs the kid in the throat and um, wiggles the ball up using, thank you, Daniel, using the needle. um, He slowly pushes the ball back up the kid's throat so Carrie can get it with the forceps. The minute they get the ball out, the child starts breathing normally and the day is saved. Very innovative thinking on Doug's part. Very squeamish to watch. Yeah, just no thank you. No, thank you. Nope. Uh, then we go into our first audio of the episode. We have uh, Benton. He's answering the door in his sweats to Jackie, who is banging on his door. Peter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey. Hey, Soph. I've been calling for days. Where you been? Been busy. Oh, this place is a mess. Yeah, I've been working long hours. You feeling all right? Yeah, I'm just a little tired as well. You look terrible. I saw Carla yesterday. She's put on weight, you notice? She's pregnant. How could you be so stupid? Are you going to marry her? I don't know. Be a father to your child? What, she's not good enough for you? I didn't say that. So what's the problem here? Don't walk away from me. Hey, look. Hey. Now, you don't have to do this alone. You've got family. People who care for you, Peter. Look, Jackie, I know. I'm gonna... I'm gonna handle it, all right? I'm gonna take care of it. How? I don't know. I, uh, I gotta get dressed for work. Jackie really flips on a dime there, don't she? She goes straight from, like... She goes from, like, are you gonna take care of the child? like deadbeat to then two seconds later she's like you know you're not alone well like you have family we'll help like, <laughs> like i'm just happy to see jackie again yeah I'm always oh happy yeah it's to see nice jackie. but uh two things about that first he looks so goddamn depressed mm-hmm. and down like do we still think this is gant or do we think it's related to his storyline this episode i think it's both yeah i mean i definitely think the the gant aspect of it is getting phased out like i definitely think we're we've clearly moved past gant um, like I don't think he's gonna get brought up again, but I I think oh, like it's a cumulative effect. I think it's all of these things kind of stacked on top of each other. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And also he uh, he cringes and holds his stomach as he closes the door at the end of this scene. And also we get a nice sweet look at his Bose brand sound system. For sure, that that big surgeon money is that's is this a the first huge... time we've seen Benton's living situation. Like, yeah, I the think whole, like the in, whole of it. We've seen yeah. his bed, like we've seen like part of his bedroom because we've seen the Bose sound system before. Right, yeah. right, TM. Right, right. <laughs> I remember when those were such a huge deal. Yeah, I thought my I thought my grandma was rich as shit because she had one. Yeah, my dad had one that we um we gave to my aunt and uncle when he passed. So then we go out, right out of that into the intro. More bangs, fourteen for fourteen on the bangs, I believe. <gasps> yep. This season. Yep. Twinkles found dead in a ditch. Uh, <laughs> go. Hey, I did want. I I just was. I wanted some comfort media, so I was watching some random episodes, like later episodes, like later season episodes, and the season seven premiere. I'm happy to report, 
Twinkles. See, I know they're there. It's it, it's not a any lack of confidence on my part. It's just it's surprising to me how one sided it is, especially in these early seasons. I'm really enjoying that Lizzie is going and watching these like later episodes because in the back like in the background of my work, I can just listen to them, kinda know what's going on, and just be like, This is nice. Yeah. Just trauma happening in the background. I'm doing my accounting, everything's great. <laughs> oh, Romano's losing an arm, Malucci's well, getting fired. <laughs> Background trauma is always the best trauma. Uh, But we come out of the intro into Mark and Doug talking at the Roach Coach. Mark asking for advice on how to handle his uh, two simultaneous lady friends. Uh, Decides that he's going to reschedule with Polly and go with Heather to the Bulls game. Because let's be honest, it's 1997. If you have a chance to go to a Bulls game, go to the fucking Bulls game. Mm -hmm. Not with your dad. Oh, because the tickets are to the wrong game anyway. So there it is. But anyway, getting back to the ER proper, uh, Hale is playing at nurse manager while Carol is away, is what Jerry says. And apparently the job is actually really complicated. Who knew? Chuni's uh, asking about the paychecks and like she over she way over ordered a shit ton of supply. Mm-hmm. Like instead of ordering 12 <laughs> boxes, she ordered 12 gross, which I think is isn't a gross like a hundred and something. Uh, it's like a pallet or something like that. Yeah. It's. It's not a unit. It's like yeah. instead of a unit, it's like a the next thing up. But a common sight throughout the yard ER this episode is just gonna be piles of like tubing of IVs, of Ameth- gloves, emesis basins, yeah, emesis basin gloves, and just stuff keeps rolling in. So yeah, you'll just have yeah. something happen, and then somebody will be like, "Who ordered this?" Yeah, just different protective equipment. A, and a comical tools. amount of boxes that ev- it, it made even more comical by the fact that every time Carrie w- walks by them, she says, "Jerry, get these boxes out of here." Like it's just one man, and there's literally a warehouse full of boxes occupying this ER, and she expects Jerry to move all of them by himself. Hey, he is a large man to be. To be perfectly fair, Jerry's through line this episode is also great. Yes, uh, but they but apparently there's a staph infection going around, like being transmitted from someone in the ER to patients because eight patients have come down with it after someone has treated after someone after they've been seen in this ER, and right and right after they mention that, of course Carrie walks by sneezing. Yep. Hmm. So what are they going to do about the staph infection? So we have to have Dr. Fisher take swabs of everyone, and we get to play a little detective story. It's so good. It's such a good comedy wackety schmackety through line. I'm so happy it's this here. Whole, this whole episode is comedy wackety schmackety through Except lines. for like one or two pieces. <laughs> but, but, in, but in the best way. Yes. So then we have Benton arriving at work, and Carter immediately jumps his shit and is like, Benton, you need to get my eval done. Why isn't my eval done? And Benton's like, put it in my box. I'll do it. And Carter's like, no, you'll do it right now. Benton begrudgingly fills it out, hands it back to Carter. And Carter goes, satisfactory work. Thanks for your time. And like runs off to give it to Hicks. Jeez, man. Just, oh, I love that they're actually finally butting heads instead of just Carter being run over. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm 100% here for zero fucks, Carter. Like, Carter has run out of fucks to give with Benton. And I'm 100% here for it. No more fucks to give. My fucks have flown away. My so, fuck up run of dry. That's that's my favorite one. <laughs> so then from there, we go back down and see uh, a trauma coming in. A 28-year-old female with stab wounds being brought in by the EMTs. And uh, Doyle and Carter are arguing over whose patient she is. And Carrie walks in in the middle of it asking, trouble in the sandbox? Which is a very, <laughs> I love that line. I love that so much. Uh, we see Benton coming in. He's still doing his ouchy, ouchy tummy bit. Uh, <laughs> cringing in the trauma 
uh, really looks like he's in pain and Carrie's picking up on it as well. She's asking him several times, are you sure you're okay? Um, and I love the interplay between Carter and Doyle across the mm-hmm. patient as Carter is just talking merciless shit about putting in this chest tube uh, as Maggie's trying to do the same on the other side. Like, it's so good. It's so, also, so good. Also, Daniel, I feel like you just need to employ trouble in the sandbox as our um, warm up <laughs> shit when Lizzie and I are arguing over who gets what equipment taken care Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Trouble in the sandbox. Uh, we also see Wendy talking about doctor hygiene while Doug is eating. Uh, and then we check in with Greg talking to Jeannie about detective work for tracking the staph infections. That's Dr. Fisher, Greg there. Then uh, we have our, we have our, um, our dramatic patient for the episode, yes. our dramatic through line, because, you know, can't be all drama. We can't be all wackity schmackity. We got to have something to break it up. Uh, but our, we have a his, we have a 17-year-old cystic fibrosis. His name is Jad Houston. Um, and who plays him? Jad is played by uh, Chad. Like I said, they really don't break very many brain cells coming up with these names. Uh, Jad is played by Chad Lindbergh, yeah, just... who you may recognize from Fast and the Furious, Supernatural, and October Sky. I could not place him, and then as soon as I saw Fast and the Furious and October Sky, and I'm like, I, exactly. October yep. Sky was the one who did it for me. He's the, I, I didn't know, I didn't see October Sky, but Fast and the Furious, I definitely recognize him from. He's Jesse, and that the kid who um, gets killed, I think, at the end, right? Yeah, it's he gets, been a long he gets time killed by in a drive-by. Yeah, he gets killed in a drive-by at the end. He's like the techie kid who like knows yeah. how to do everything. Does this mean we can technically watch October Sky for a commentary? Why not? I just love October Sky because I'm a loser. Anyway, but he's brought in by a, he's brought in by his uh, his girlfriend Katie Reed, and who and who's another? Oh, hey, it's that lady. Yeah, uh, Clea Duvall, who I was not as much of a hey oh hey it's that lady as I thought she was. Like when I saw her, I was like, oh, it's that girl. I know her from a ton of things. Then I looked at her IMDb, and I was like, no, I don't. Like she's <laughs> she's in like three things, and I kind of know them, you know. So she was in uh, the faculty. Argo and Veep, among other things. I mean, she's been in other things, just not stuff that I was personally familiar with. Um, but yeah, and they're both making their first of two appearances here, so this will be an arc that kind of stretches, I'm guessing, into the next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but he's he's having trouble. He's having trouble breathing. Uh, you know, he's, he's like a kid, and uh, Doug meets him out in the ambulance bay. A kid, he says, a kid this sick shouldn't be traveling because they were visiting from Racine, Wisconsin, which is about an hour and a half north of Chicago. So, not super far, but still. Uh, she tell and uh, Kay tells Doug that the kid has a DNR, a do not resuscitate order, and Doug has Lydia call Jad's doctor in Racine because they have also lied to Doug and said that he was nineteen, not seventeen. Ah, it's true. Yes. So, um. Then we go on to Mark is working with one of his patients, Mr. Papillon, and this guy cannot... This is another, oh, hey, it's that guy. Um, Daniel, do you want to tell us who it is before we get into the actual... He is played by actor Tim Bagley, who um, is a definite, oh, hey, it's that guy, and a very funny, oh, hey, it's that guy. Mm -hmm. Like He's always a guy, when you see him pop up, you know it's going to be a good time. Uh, Grace and Frankie, uh, Will and Grace, and Knocked Up, among other things, were his highlights. Yep, Will and Grace was where I was looking at him from, but I totally forgot he was in Grace and Frankie, too. Which, by the way, everybody watch Grace and Frankie. It's fucking hysterical. Um, But anyway, this gentleman, he cannot stop pacing and counting to three as he paces. Just will not focus on anything. And they have sight come down. Again, we are visited by Nina Pomerantz. 
and we find out his name is Archie and he has stopped taking his meds and she just yells at him, Archie, snap it. He snaps the rubber band on his wrist and is able to refocus. And as he's able to refocus, um, there's a little flirting going on between Nina and Mark and just like they're both talking about their divorces and just their kids and how she used electroshock therapy on her daughter and then it's like oh my god i'm so kidding like don't look at me that way i'm so kidding and as they're flirting archie goes i hate to interrupt and she's like oh my god you're right let's go get you upstairs and get you back on medication i'm sorry and it's just a really cute little like normally they're kind of shitty with their psych patients but this is an adorable one showing like doctors actually caring about their frequent flyers and it's just it's precious and i love it and did you get the actress on nina or... we covered her last time yeah she's the when same she showed up yeah she's the same one that talked to carter uh, immediately following gant's suicide oh yeah okay yeah. when okay. she was like Which they don't see me they don't a hundred percent make that clear that it's the same person uh, because she does look a little different like they've they've changed up her wardrobe a little bit here gotcha um, okay i didn't recognize but yeah her. it's it's the same yeah. girl so okay maybe just because that last time was just so quick and she's so involved in this episode yeah yeah Exactly. But yeah, same actress. Okay, good to know. Uh, Bill Paxton's wife and Twister. <laughs> fiance. Fiance, excuse me. Which I believe was the same correction. Yep. <laughs> Shut up. That's okay, it's continuity. So Time is a flat circle, it's fine. We go, what a second banana. We go from there. Oh, man. I wish that was in season one. It's in season two, though. Like, uh, All right, never mind. Soon, Daniel. Soon. Yep. Uh, so we go from there to... Uh, Back to Jad, uh, where they found weed and a pipe in his sock as they were getting him set up. Uh, and they find out his doctor is a pediatrician and he is not really 19, as Lauren alluded to earlier. He's really 17, so they go ahead and intubate him. Uh, yeah. Again, it's one of those things, like especially with the added context we get a little bit later where we find out he's only three weeks away from his 18th birthday this still feels like a non-consensual thing like it's like we're still doing this we're still doing this like non-consensual procedure thing and i'm not but it's what's best for the patient yeah in quotes and uh right back to the right back to the humor as mark is calling to cancel his date with polly by faking sick and uh jerry's telling chuni all the hot goss related to to Mark and uh, Nina comes down for Archie's chart and she asks Mark's out to dinner that night and says he can't do the dinner but he can do drinks at like six four and Chuni calls and Chuni says uh, Mark's a busy boy <laughs> Chuni is really great in this episode yes. about Mark yeah she's great in general and I will say there's a scene later in the episode uh, like I'll be honest, I've done a complete 180 on Chuni and Mark. I'm now 100% on board for it because it's given us this, like, this, other, we've come out the other side of it now. Yeah. And we right. have this fun interplay between the two of them that I'm very much here for. Because they're adults and they can move on and work together. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> then we have Doug talking to Jad and Katie and we find out that Jad's doctors had given him three months to live, so they stole the car to go get a place in Mexico and be together to the end. Very romantic. And the mom shows up and is like, yeah, he has this romantic notion about dying. And you can tell the mom clearly isn't a big fan of Katie. And mom gives Doug directions to intubate Jad again if he stops breathing. And Jad says, like, essentially, fuck that, don't ever tube me again. When they take the tube out yikes it's a mess 
And mom here is played by, uh, she's another kind of semi-ohey, it's that person, uh, played by actress Veronica Cartwright, uh, who had 151 credits uh, to her name. I think she might be the high water mark for the episode uh, for, for background people. Uh, 151 credits, including Alien, uh, The Witches of Eastwick, and Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. And then we go from there to uh, Dr. Fisher and Jeannie taking swabs and photos of the staff. But we quickly cut away from that to our next trauma, or not trauma, but next patient, a 23-year-old IV drug user with AIDS, uh, multiple gunshot wounds, lost at least a liter of blood at the scene. We see Hicks then run in uh, in her best, um, what's the lady's name from Incredibles that does the the suits? Like the no capes? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, Edna Mode. <laughs> Edna, yeah. She's got the Edna from Incredibles hair in this. Yeah. Like, uh, so she runs in and decides to run the trauma. Uh, Lauren, you want to touch on the films? Oh, I want to note that at one point they're holding up the current films of the patient up to the light. And I just want to note that, you know, those films would look great on the board behind you. You know, the light board. <laughs> if you ever, if there was ever room from the other patient's films, you could really use that tool for what it's for if you'd turn the rooms. So whose films are those? <laughs> so uh, one of my sort of issues with this scene is that... Um, Carter spends an inordinate amount of time trying to dig the bullet out of this person, uh, which Doyle tips him off that uh, the bullet is razor tipped and the patient being HIV positive. That's obviously a little bit of a dangerous situation. Um, But like he spends an inordinate amount of time trying to dig the bullet out of this patient. And it's my understanding that like, as long as the bullet is not pressing up against anything like vital, it's once it's in there, it's in there. Like it's, it's so hot. It was so hot when it got fired out of the gun. It's sterile. It's not causing any like infection risk or anything. So I don't know why they spend so much time trying to dig this bullet out of this kid. But uh, in any event, uh, Carter lets Doyle do the honors of cracking the chest. So they've they've clearly come to an agreement after their little trouble in the sandbox earlier. Yep. And then we get Halle is working on the nursing schedule, and Wendy mentions that she needs the weekend off for National Guard duty. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, that is not something that's ever come up before, and I don't know if it ever comes up again, but... I don't think it does, but they're all just hoping that Carol is coming back soon. Uh, Then we get to find out... Then we find out that Carter gets to assist on the gunshot wound man's surgery because all of his paperwork is in order. And then we go over to uh, our next audio. Uh, Carrie finds the ultrasound machine in an odd place and finds Peter in the room with it. What's the ultrasound doing in there? Uh, I don't know, but that CF kid wants to talk to an attending... All right, I'll be right there. Peter, what are you doing? Nothing. It must be something. When did the pain start? Last night. Location? Mid-epigastric. Shifted to the right lower quadrant this morning. Fever? 100.2. Lie down, Peter. You know what, Carrie? It's probably just a virus. Lie down. Lydia, can you assist? Dr. Benton? Relax, Peter. Sorry. Uh, alert the OR. Dr. Benton has a hot appendix. Uh-oh. Spaghettios. Been there. Not pleasant. I'm glad you listened to me. Glad the doctors didn't kill me in the ER. That also is true. I love how universal the excitement is around Benton's hot appendix. Like, oh. At every Just- level. Like, starting yeah. here with Carrie and then working its way up the chain. Everyone's so excited that they finally, like, the tables have turned. 
yeah, like this storyline makes this episode memorable and an otherwise whatever sort of kind of whatever to the overall storyline. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Episode. This, this takes this episode from a otherwise very vanilla, very mid season filler bullshit yeah. episode to one of the better episodes of the season in a very in a very inconsequential way. Like none of this is particularly important or meaty stuff that matters to the overall story, but this still manages to be a really great episode just on the strength of this one storyline. Lots of really good character work. Which we will have plenty of audio for you later in the episode. Um, And then this is one of those moments that I wish I was bilingual because we have Chuni and Wendy gossiping about Mark in Spanish. And as they're gossiping, Mark walks by and just like asks if they've seen Doug. And they're like, nope. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, bye. So I'm I'm not I'm no longer fluent. I, I would never was really fluent, but there was a time where I was almost fluent in Spanish. So I can still pick up bits and pieces of this conversation, especially out of through context clues. Um, and the main gist of it is that towards the end, she tells Wendy that basically all Mark wants to do is fuck. Like that's <laughs> that's literally the whole conversation is like is that Mark is a sex machine. And uh, Chuni put a quarter in. It was that the was that the colloquialism from season two with with Doug. Yes, that was the colloquialism. <laughs> yeah. Sex machine and just want to put a quarter. Mark, in. Mark Green is a sex machine, and Chuni put a quarter in. Chuni emptied her whole freaking coin purse. It sounds like. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, yeah. You're welcome for that, listeners. Uh, we er, so yeah, and then like once Mark walks away, they just giggle to each other again. It's like. Oh, oh, oh boy. Oh dear. Um, and then Doug is at the admit desk actually trying to do work to help Jad and his situation while Mark is asking him about women. And Doug for once is like, you know, I'd really love to help you out, but I'm actually kind of trying to save a kid. So shoes him away. And it's like, we'll talk later. Um, and then Carrie walks over to Doug to talk to him about Jad because jad had asked i hate saying i hate that name so much jad had asked to talk to an attending so he off camera talked to carrie so carrie is now approaching doug and saying like you know maybe you need to take his request for a dnr into consideration he is three weeks away from 18 he might be worth listening to is this about you or is this about him so mama carrie putting him in his place but doug just won't let a kid die nope uh, but Hicks pops in to visit Peter before surgery. Lots and, of Hicks today. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, I'm very here for it. Um, but he doesn't want any residents operating on him. And Shirley <laughs> has him sign the consent form. And she has Shirley gets to prep him for surgery. And she just pops a razor blade out of her little, just out of nowhere. She looks absolutely thrilled <laughs> at this. Like, she's like, hey, <laughs> I, I, I just this. love it. that It's a universal like agreed upon thing among everybody that we're gonna take great pleasure in this and it's yeah oh yeah so good i wonder if they would be like this if it was for anyone other than benton i feel like because benton's such a sourpuss and takes himself so seriously there's like an extra level of schadenfreude Yeah. yeah i would just be very curious to see people's reactions around the hospital like if Morgenstern needed an operation. I mean, we looked, look at how they reacted when Morgenstern was in the ER. They all took great fun in that. Yeah, but yeah. like if he needed, but if like if he had an appendix, he was drunk the, then. The only so. other person who I think could garner this kind of reaction, and in a different way too, because you would not get the gleeful stuff from Carter that you're going to get a little bit later, uh, because they have that kind of personal history, um, 
I think would be Carrie, like Weaver. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Like, I think if, if something were up with Weaver and, and she had to have a surgery, like, I think you would see a lot of, like, grave dancing from a lot of the staff, but not in the same way that they're doing with Benton here. Like, this is clearly, like, there's everybody's had a run-in with Benton at some point is kind of the message here. Like, everybody's been treated by like shit by Benton at some point, and so now they're just excited that the shoe's on the other foot, but... We go from there to our other other bit of wacky schmackety for this episode. Uh, Greg and Jeannie still playing detective, and uh, I believe it's Greg who notices that all of the charts have the same handwriting mm-hmm. on the top. And he's like, "Do you recognize who who's it would who's it could be?" And they do this immediate cutaway to Jerry at the desk <laughs> eating brownies, <laughs> and it is just my favorite favorite thing like (laughs) and is this when they take him to go practice hand washing too is it right after that's a little bit later later. but yeah it's yeah this whole like and it it was like i didn't really fully remember this episode going out i knew like some of the bigger beats but i didn't remember every small detail and this was one where i was like uh, when they were like all these charts have the same handwriting i was like it's got to be jerry it has to be jerry immediately he's the only one that makes sense it has to be jerry and it was uh perfection uh, and so then we, we go straight out of that into uh, Doyle, who's going to be scrubbing in on a Thoracotomy with Carter, starts bragging about her gun collection, which is just super. Uh, Hicks comes in to uh, alert them that they are actually going to be doing the uh, appy on Benton instead. And Carter, well, she just says the appy at first. And very important detail because Carter is pissed. Like He's like, those are boring. I could do those in my sleep. I don't want to. And she's like, you haven't seen the patient yet. And the the sounds and the just like effervescent joy coming out of Carter when he sees Benton being rolled into the OR is amazing. Like it is just it's one of my like Noah Wiley always does comedy well. This is one of his best funniest moments to me. Like it's so good. He's like, oh my god, there is a god, as he's like viciously washing his hands and scrubbing and like it's mm, so good. Uh, but then we switch back to the serious side of stuff with our next audio clip. Uh, we have Jad and Doug talking about his situation. What are my chances of getting out of here? Can't say. Don't give me that crap. You still have some time. Three months, max. You could spend that time with Katie. Great. She can suction the snot out of my lungs when I stare at the ceiling. I've been in hospitals my whole life. I watched two friends die in a respirator slowly wasting away. No thanks. It's not your decision. Oh, please. I'll be 18 in three weeks. Can't do it. Well, screw you. What about me? It's up to your mom. She's been telling me what to do my whole life. For once, let me do what I want. You know, she's afraid of losing you. She's gonna lose me anyway. Talk to her. Tell her to let me go. I really like this kid. Yeah, this poor kid. Good God. Like, just... No, he he has the... Per, like, he really does have the, like, the perspective. Like, he he doesn't have any illusions about his situation. He has the, he's trying to make the best of what time he has left. And he seems to be the only one that recognizes that. 
and it's it's just a really good it's it seems sort of strangely placed in an episode like this um but it it still manages to work from a balance perspective like it 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 doesn't it doesn't overtake the wacky schmackety and vice versa the wacky schmackety doesn't overtake this storyline i mean i like i like this attitude too like i'm i've always been a person where i've made it expressly clear that if some you know god forbid something some terrible thing happens to me and i you know only have a few months left to live i would much rather have quality of life over quantity so i totally absolutely 100% understand that attitude and respect him for it even even if he is 17 whatever you're just because you're 17 doesn't mean you're not you don't know yourself and you don't know what you want yeah especially when you're dealing with the deadly illness then we have Carol pops back in real quick. Everybody's really excited to see her, asking if she's back. She's only there for her paycheck, which of course is not there yet. And we find out that her hearing is in a couple of weeks. So that's going to be interesting. And then we go over to Greg and Jeannie in the back giving Jerry hand washing <laughs> lessons. And they remind him that he has to wash his hands after every time using the bathroom. And he goes, oh, every time? It's like, that's fucking disgusting. Oh, but it's so good coming from Jerry. He's just yes. a, a big child, and I just love him. Uh, and then we continue the fun with our first of three audio clips uh, did, uh, relating to Benton's surgery. Uh, <laughs> he tries to uh, he tries to backseat game a little bit here before he goes under. So let's listen to the let's listen to him. You have the rumors factor. Yes, Peter, and the Army, Navy's, and the Coker. Okay, listen, listen. Make sure you put an X on my right side, because I don't want you taking out my left kidney, okay? I'm putting you to sleep now. Where's Dr. Hicks? Oh, there's been a last-minute substitution. Carter. Don't worry, Dr. Benton. I'm going to take very good care of you. Uh, uh. Fucking perfection. <laughs> So good. You can just hear the glee in his voice. <laughs> Going to take very good care of you. It's even better with the next clip, but what happens in between now and then? <laughs> so from there, we go to uh, Doug talking with Jad's mom outside the uh, room there. Tries talking her into signing the DNR papers for him and says, you know, he doesn't have much time left. It seems a shame to spend it fighting with your son. And yeah. Uh, mom is struggling here she says i don't know what to do and doug reaffirms well he does so you know and this is actually uh, like like lauren i think uh, said earlier in the episode lots of really good character work in this episode mm-hmm. and i think no better example of that than doug because this um they even they they kind of do a little bit of a bait and switch with this where you start out with thinking you're gonna go full white knight doug as per usual up to this point um and they really like this is, I think this might be what I was sort of talking about when Carrie first showed up uh, in season two, where I was really excited for her to work off of Doug. And this is a perfect example of that. Like he actually takes what she says into account. It changes his perspective. And yes, the outcome isn't what we would like it to be given all the circumstances, but Doug's character growth uh, throughout it is really, really strong. So big, big kudos to, to Doug for this one. Um, and then we see at the back of the admin desk, Polly stops by to give uh, Mark some home remedies for his air quotes, laryngitis. And the balancing act continues for Mark. The walls are closing in. And then we go over. To the- 
What? Just that. What? It's just it's a, it's an excellent excellent um analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, analogy. A... Me know English uh, well, so. <laughs> okay, Ralph. <sighs> That's impossible. Uh, speaking of impossible things, Carter, let's go over to our next audio clip. Uh, Carter is performing Benton's surgery. Shirley. Yes, sir. Could you put on my special music, please? Certainly, Dr. Carter, sir. <laughs> Scalpel. Hold it, Dr. Carter. Shirley. <laughs> Come here, let's get this one. Get one with Dr. Hicks and Dr. Doyle. What's your approach? I am going to make a minimal Rocky Davis incision in the right lower quadrant in McBurney's point. Proceed. I want a whole spinoff of just shit like this. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's a little more visual, but you can hear them taking pictures of them with Benton in various poses. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. so good. But the music behind it, it's just Oh, it's just perfection. It's a chef's kiss. Okay, so this is going to be a little bit of a marathon of description. Please bear with me, everybody. I'm going to try and do my best to keep up with Mark's bullshit here. Um, So we have Polly and Mark in the lounge, and Polly is trying to get Mark to do a lavender steam. And then Jerry pulls Mark aside because Nina came down for her page, which Mark had had Jerry page her right before Polly came in because he wanted to see Nina. And then as Mark is talking to Nina about drinks and double-checking what time they're going and taking her to the patient that needs evaluation, Jerry pages him over the intercom because there's an emergency and we see Heather has shown up to show him that they got ringside seats. And as Heather is talking to him, we see Polly coming out of the lounge and it's just he's fucking up his timing with all three of these women and they're all about to run into each other. And all of a sudden, Heather is sitting on one side of a curtain at a bed that Mark sat her down at. Nina is supposed to be going and checking on a patient. And Mark is talking to Polly. (laughs) And it turns out Nina runs into Polly. And they know each other. Nina introduces Mark. And Polly says, oh, I know we're seeing each other. And Nina goes, huh. And Heather comes around the corner and goes, huh. And Polly goes, what? And then they explain. And Polly goes, huh? And chaos ensues. The ball is dropped. Mark has failed. Mark. Was that a decent enough play by play? I think you nailed it. Yeah. Mark, yeah. Mark, as soon as it all starts to fall apart, like Mark just wants to be that gif of the guy who does the peace sign and then fades away because he yes. has no, like. There's no recourse. Yeah. He, there's no way out of this. Hold the fuck up. Did you just say GIF? Yeah, soft G gang over here. The the creator of the word says it's a soft G. And Well, that's about all the time we have left here for folks. <laughs> Show's over. Uh, Shut it down. The, this is the serious <laughs> finale of saying the tone in the retrospective. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to side with, with Lizzie. That's fine. I don't one. care. Jake Terrell will be on your side as well. He's been upset about this since we were like 14. Well, but, to be fair, I have to yell at Jake about trains. So No, it's... Hey, you know what? Let the man, he has experience. Let's just gently encourage him to ride America's rails once again. Soft G gang over here. That's not a dirtier coming out of my mouth than it did in my head. <laughs> You're fine. Oh. 
<laughs> Sorry, uh, Jake. Oh, boy. So then we go from there. Another uh, hard pivot, you know, because we need one of those. Uh, Jad's having trouble breathing. His mom did finally sign the DNR uh, order. And Doug double checks with him, says, are you sure? And he, you know, nods yes. And so Doug gets him an O2 mask. Uh, I would hope this would be the end of our story, but it's not. You would think. Uh, and then we go to the last audio, not of the episode, but uh, we do have one more for you after this. But uh, the last audio of the Benton surgery saga. So let's listen to that. Now, uh, Shirley's in the dancing in the back. Shirley's dancing in the background. His car is getting ready to close. It's so great. I am ready to close. Nice work, Carter. Thanks. Maybe I'll staple my name into his belly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's irrigate one more time. We don't want to give Dr. Benton an abscess. Dr. Doyle, you want to suction out Dr. Benton? Can I have OPDS on a CT3? I will close out with a running stitch. You ever done a one-handed tie? No. I often practice on pig's feet. But since Dr. Benton is available, hold the suture in your left hand and don't let go. You take it between your thumb and your forefinger, right? Around and through. Pretty nifty. Oh. Yeah. Would it be all right if Dr. Doyle tried one? I don't think Dr. Benton would mind. After all, we are a teaching hospital. <laughs> it's it's so good. Just I love the music. I love how happy everyone is. Like I love just how like I feel I'm glad it's Hicks too. I'm glad Hicks recognizes just how How much Carter needed this. Yeah, just how much how much everyone needed this just because i feel like with like a different like maybe like on or someone morgan stern this like, would not have worked as well yeah. with morgan stern as it does hicks no yeah because hicks hits hicks gives benton a hard time all the time right yeah. hicks knows benton's full of shit just as much as anybody whereas morgan stern i feel like sometimes like is too relatable to benton like yeah. they're both a little far up their own ass sometimes so yeah i feel like they would be both be like okay let's ha, ha let's let's take care of it let's take care of our patient whereas hicks is just like no this is a super easy surgery there's no uh, i'm standing right here nothing uh, this will be fine <laughs> let them have their fun yeah, no, it's it's a good fun time, and it's definitely something we needed this season after everything that happened with Gant. We just needed a little bit of a pick-me-up. So then from there, we have Greg is thanking Jeannie for her help today, and he tries to ask her out again, and Jeannie immediately shuts him down and walks away. Like, nope, okay, bye. Peace. Uh, and Chad's mom has come down from the cafeteria and tries to, she sues him as he is having trouble breathing, and he's sitting there, well, you know dying um gets there just in time as he's as he's you know gets there just in time as he stops actually stops breathing and you know goes on for a few seconds and then the mom starts screaming at doug to intubate him and katie and katie agrees which blue wish was like whoa i think because the reality of the situation hit her when she actually saw him at that level mm. of struggle, I guess, but still, like it's, this whole scene just angers me because Doug, technically, you know, she has the power of attorney because he is under eighteen. So, right, Doug caves and intubates Chad. You know, he, he tries to fight. He tries to fight her on it, 
but uh, into base Jad as he's struggling to like keep Doug off of him. Like, because Jad obviously is very pissed. He's still he's still awake. Like barely. Yeah. He's barely conscious. And when when Doug goes to intubate him, he kind of comes to a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, and starts tries tries to fight fight him off, but oof, nothing doing. So then we go from there to Genie suturing a patient. This is kind of a weird little inserted yeah. patient here. It felt kind of tacked on, and I, I was, it's it's strange. But uh, Genie suturing a patient. Uh, he says that he had been in a, about a year ago and uh, for being treated for pneumonia, and that Genie took care of him. Uh, says that he's gained forty pounds uh, since then, and uh, brings up the triple cocktail to her, which I think she's already on. So I don't really, yes. I don't really yeah. know how this changes her situation. I guess it's the emotional um, aspect of it. I think it's more because he was an AIDS patient. Well, right. But yeah, he, he was... brings it up as though it's some kind of revelation to her, like as if like she hadn't thought of it before. I think it's more his emotional side of things. Like it's not a death sentence, right? Yeah, and that you can sh- have a life, and more showing just because like she obviously has been on this stuff the whole time, but. Her gain the perspective of someone who hasn't had access to these right. drugs the whole time. Yeah. And just how much, you know, how much better life can be. Life can be because of this because of this set of drugs mm-hmm. that they're able to take now. For sure. So he says it takes a little getting used to, but it's a hell of a lot better than dying, which is sort of the under underlined message of Jeannie's whole uh, arc throughout this episode so uh but we cut right out of that into uh, benton <laughs> talk about your hard pivots uh benton waking up out of surgery he hallucinates this is some really like tricky special effectsy camera work here mm-hmm. too uh hallucinates hicks carrie and carter individually telling him that they're pregnant uh which is Yikes. a little horrifying um <laughs> It's actually Carter waking him up in recovery, and as Benton's coming out of the anesthesia, he keeps mentioning Carla and that he made a mistake and all this other stuff, and Carter's just giving him shit, starts making up all kinds of stuff he was talking about in his sleep, and, you know, even Benton in his, like, altered state is still like, Carter, shut up. Like, he, (laughs) even he knows Carter's full of shit, but it's mm, such good work from both of these guys in this episode. I love them so much. Is this the first like little bit like of like pretty obvious like CG that yeah. we've had oh, in yeah, this show? I would say yep. without question, okay. yeah, because I don't even know how long they would have had capability to do this at this point. Yeah, because it's a really cool effect. It is, yeah, and like it doesn't a, look yeah. bad. Like you would think no. something like that from the '90s, you'd be like, "Oh God, this is gonna look terrible." But it actually looks because it's really good. just the transition effect that where you see like the effects, right. quote unquote. So yeah, but keeping the background matched around them and everything, like it, it, it looks good. It looks, yeah. it's pretty seamless. Wait, why is there CG in my ER? What the hell? Well, leave it. Be the last time. It's not supposed to. Co- it's I would a say dream it, sequence. It definitely won't be the last time. Uh, Who? Some of those later seasons. Okay, <laughs> what's next? Ah, what's next is that Marcus apologizing to Nina, and he asks her to have lunch, and she says, maybe, but in the meantime, whenever you have the urge to date three women at once, snap it, and hands him a rubber band. Oh, she snaps it on his wrist. Oh, snaps a rubber band onto his wrist. Yikes. Yeah, which, go her. Uh, And then Jeannie pops in to talk to Greg while he's working in the lab, and she accepts his dinner invitation, so they're going for dinner that night. Yay! Um, and Jad is being moved to be admitted upstairs. And as he's being moved, the mom and cat, Katie, the mom and Katie thank Doug and Jad flips him off from the elevator, which is fucking perfect. So Chuni's doing inventory in the medicine, like closet area. And she hands Mark some lidocaine that he asks for. 
and she starts teasing him about having tried to date three women. And he asks her, he's like, oh, you know, those reservations I had are still good. Do you want to go to dinner with me for, like, tonight? And she's like, and we don't see her answer right here. So we think he's playing it real smooth. I do like it. That, like I said, this is this is yeah. the, this is what turned yeah. the tide for me. Like I went from like, okay, now yeah. I'm glad Mark and Shooty happened so that we can have yeah. this. Because like this would have been something where Susan would have talked shit to him about doing yeah. it. And uh, after that, we head into the lounge. Doyle's practicing those one-handed sutures that they were talking about, and while they were working on Benton uh, on an eggplant because she's a vegetarian, and Carter asks her out. Uh, but she has plans. And she said, but she does say, if you want, you can come with me. <laughs> hmm. hmm. So we go right from there to all the nurses clocking out for the day. And we see uh, they're all sort of like grousing about not getting their paychecks on time. And Halle is insisting that uh, she remembers putting in their time cards. She's like, I put them all in an envelope and I or wrapped them all in a rubber band. I put them right in my purse as she pulls the rubber banded envelope out of her purse did not turn those in oh gotta love that 90s technology thank god for adt just one button all you gotta do or adp not adt that's a security company but adp just push one button everybody's time card is in but uh then we go from there to uh doyle taking carter to the gun range and this is where we find is this is probably where we find out a little revelation about uh, maggie doyle the character um, Carter is fucking physical comedy the ride in this scene like just being a just little wuss around the gun and like accidentally shooting out a light and it's just mm, perfection uh, but Doyle happens to notice that her ex-girlfriend is in one of the other stalls at the other end of the uh, range she's an ex-cop Amy Elliott and uh, this is this is a surprise to Carter which adds to the comedy of the scene but I enjoyed I enjoyed this quite a bit. I enjoyed their whole interplay this episode. Like Carter and Doyle yeah. were an unlikely pair, but a really good one. I feel like she's mentioned something about her being gay before. I don't, yeah, think, I don't so. think so. She's mentioned having a sister. She's mentioned um, guns, the cops the, in her the family cop connection. Um, but I this is the first. I think this time. is the oh. first time that she's ever alluded. I mean, I, it's one of those things that like we probably could have put that together for ourselves beforehand, but having it spelled out here officially. <laughs> Listeners, tell us if we're wrong. <laughs> Time has no meaning anymore. I'm forgetting lots of stuff. But anyway. You're forgetting stuff that was never mentioned. Exactly. Uh, so, but let's close out this episode. Uh, it's a tale of two dates. One features Mark and Doug at the restaurant using those dinner reservations. And the other features Jeannie and Greg walking down Michigan Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> you like some more champagne? You trying to get me drunk? Yeah, I need the company. So you lost all three, right? Yes. <laughs> I told you. How was your day? I don't want to talk about it. All right. So what do you want to do after dinner? We can see a movie. Go bowling? I, I, I. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Let's just uh, get another bottle of champagne. Oh, I like that idea a lot. <laughs> I had a really nice time. I hope it is the first of many. So there's my car. Hey, want to get some coffee? I know a great little place a couple blocks from here. No, you know what? It's getting late. I got to work early tomorrow. Are you sure that's the reason? 
Well, I'm afraid. What? I'm liking you too much. Nobody's done that in a really long time. Aren't you afraid? Okay, uh, first off, that's an adorable date. I love the Clooney laugh, but before I forget, I have to say Jeannie's full of shit because Greg had kissed her on their very first date thing in Doc Magoo's, right? Yeah, I, I feel was, like this is a more... Nope, I just sorry. feel like I feel like what she means by that is like it's the first time that's happened since like with like that somebody's done that on purpose knowing that she was positive. Okay. Well, I just want to be pedantic and picky <laughs> and I just say But you're right. You are Jeannie's right. Wrong. It did happen. Yes. Yeah. But it's yeah. it's more meant with feeling with like purpose. deliberate emotion and purpose and consent. Yeah. But yes, it's a very cute date. Mark, I, Mark and Doug are best friends, and I love them. I will forever be sorry that um, Greg and Jeannie are not long-term. Yeah, they seem like a decent pair. I I, I feel like you know, my only gripe with this is that I wish they had flipped the order of this. I wish that we had. I wish mm. that they had done Jeannie and Greg first so that we could close on Doug and Mark, because that might be my favorite Mark and Doug interaction wholesale. Like, the whole show, clip that out right there. That is their friendship condensed into its most pure black tar form and i love it like it's just mm, you get every bit of it you get every every element that makes them great and i'm just mm, perfect little cherry on top of a just delightful episode just an absolutely yeah, so, delightful so yeah so with that how do we feel about this one overall a minus yeah and it, and what's crazy is that it has no business being in that category no it, it is a through and through mid-season filler horseshit episode that like nothing important <laughs> yeah. happens it's completely forgettable or should be completely it's forgettable. the character work but the character work is so strong and it's Which, and again it's it's like anchored by carter and benton like carter and benton mm -hmm. elevate this up to a level that it has no business going to and then you like i said you get the little mark and doug cherry on the top at the end it's just mm, chef kiss perfection but that's what we find half the time. Is half the time it's not the schmaltzy storylines or any given like plot point. It's the character work that they put in, mm. and it's the ensemble that really lends to the heavy lifting of some of these episodes that shouldn't be anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You guys, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. For I, I love it what when I, was gonna say. I love it when we're three for three. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I I have I have no major problems with this episode. Pacing's good. Yeah. The storylines are entertaining and engaging. They they manage you know, even, if, even if they're it's not. It's like it's like overall. The, it's like the um, the Thanos episode. Like they perfectly balance yeah. the levity and the serious stuff. Like there's yeah. no whiplash. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Like definitely some hard hard pivots in here, but, but there's no whiplash. Yeah. But you don't linger on one thing for too long, or yeah, and nothing feels nothing in the episode feels. Um, overly mean spirited or like overly yeah. tone deaf where yeah. you and also nothing's overly like offensive but looking through it at right that's what i'm saying like nothing nothing leaves you go like i think what happens with a lot of these like hard pivot episodes where we go like we get jerked from the levity to the serious stuff back and forth 
um, what happens with a lot of those is we are still have we have that like 2020 sour taste in our mouth and we're like oh mm-hmm. yeah. god I'm really I'm still reeling from you know whatever awful word Connie just used or whatever to like now we're supposed to laugh and it's just like you know this this was perfect because this has some seriousness to it but none of it is like upset I mean it is upsetting but it's not offensively bad or you know, yeah. it's yeah. Just, mm. it's, the it's balance here is just mm perfection it has aged well yes aged like a fine wine but the thing i'm most excited about not not just the fact that you know this episode is way better than it has any right to be or that we got amazing character work and amazing uh comedic chops from carter and doug and everybody what i'm most excited about is next week next week is the fucking episode Hello there. The episode of season three coming up next week, and I'm so excited for it. I can't wait. Uh, well, on that note, for today, that's going to about wrap up our episode. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash setting the tone podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Cherry, and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment, as well as monthly movie commentaries, where we watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, including Batman and Robin. <laughs> uh, we'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social me- social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Setting the Tone Podcast. And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it on a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Uh, I'm actually going to put out a call for nonfiction book recommendations, gang. If any of you have any good nonfiction books that you've read lately, please pass it on to me, either on our Facebook page or on my personal Twitter, at Lobob92345. Or on our Facebook group, Official Sandy that's, yeah. that's what I meant. <laughs> Which, to all of you who are actually like posting and engaging in that, in that we love Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that has it's been so, great. so fun, so cool. I Keep it up, please. Never and stop. Michelle, if you're still listening, I promise you eventually I'll drag Daniel kicking and screaming into doing that Lord of the Rings lounge episode. Uh, I think Daniel's going to sit that one out. I'll do that with you. But Okay, we'll bring Jake on or something. Yes, yeah, I'll, I'll moderate you and Jake. But, still, I'll do it. But anyway, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at RandomGamer, that's J-A-M-3-R, as well as on the Popular Quartz YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play of the Halo Master Chief Collection, along with, uh, co- with, along with Popular Court co-host Jake Terrell. Uh, with new episodes of that ever, out every Wednesday. You can find those videos and more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Bye.